0: This hour of Art Bell was recorded for rebroadcast at this time. Please do not call.
1: Welcome to Dreamland, a program dedicated to an examination of areas in the human experience not easily nor neatly put in a box. Things seen at the edge of vision, awakening a part of the mind as yet not mapped, and yet things every bit as real as the air we breathe but don't see. This is is Dreamland. Indeed. Sunday again, Dreamland on the air. It's going to be quite a program this evening. I'm Art Bell. Glad to be here. We've got yet another new station joining the Dreamland network. It is KZIM in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. That's KZIM, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Home, of course, of Rush Limbaugh. Glad to have them on board. They also carry the regular program during the week. Now, Dreamland. All right, uh, let me give you a thumbnail sketch of what's coming up. In a moment, I understand there is breaking news in England. Breaking news regarding the Roswell photographs. Where is our Linda Howe? You guessed it, just outside London. She'll be with us in just a moment. Uh, And she has a guest with her, George Wingfield who has now seen 30 minutes, 30 minutes of the autopsy uh, film. So uh, look out for that. Coming up following that, uh, Robert Morningsky, honored to have Robert Morningsky with us. And if we're lucky, uh, Linda Howe will be right here. Linda, are you there?
0: Yes, Art, can you hear me clearly?
1: Uh, You know, sometimes, Linda, I swear we get a better connection when you're in uh, England than we do when you're in Philadelphia.
0: (laughs) So is this clear tonight?
1: Clear as a bell.
0: All right. (laughs) Well, I want to say to our new Missouri uh, listeners that the fourth annual Midwest UFO conference in Springfield, Missouri, is on September 9th and 10th. And there is a number for tickets. Uh, this has been a wonderful conference. Susan Bedell has been an organizer there for the last, uh, three or four years. And if it's, uh, if we can, I'd like to give a phone number, uh, for Go people get, who, who could contact Susan Bedell because I think this is a very good conference worth attending. Uh, it's area code 417-882-6847 in Springfield Missouri and that will be September 9th and 10th and it's good to know we've got another station in Missouri
1: yes it is uh, Linda where are you in England actually in I'm
0: Peterborough uh, north of London about an hour uh, drove here to meet George Wingfield about halfway coming back from the Sheffield English uh, conference which was held this weekend by the British UFO research association known as Bufora And one of the main subjects was the controversial alleged autopsy of a non-human being first introduced to the public by Ray Santilli in London on May 5th. And with me is George Wingfield, an English researcher who spoke with us on Dreamland at the Seattle MUFON conference and who has now been talking with Ray Santilli about new developments in this story. And he, George, attended this conference where Santilli screened a little more than 30 minutes of the black and white footage of both an autopsy and pieces of debris from what is now described as a crash site near socorro new mexico not roswell george can you describe for us what you did see this weekend on film
2: well on film i saw the autopsy sequence which i would already seen on may the fifth in london and in addition to that i also saw some of the um debris uh some of which bore hieroglyphics and also a very strange looking uh what appeared to be a control panel or some kind of setting which um had the imprints of alien hands if we if we accept these are six-fingered alien hands in the control panel. Very strange.
0: Meaning that there were depressions for six finger pads, uh, two and two, so there were twelve finger pads altogether that you could see on the film?
2: That's correct, yes. Uh, There were two hand prints and these were six-fingered hands. Beyond the fingertips were um, what appeared to be buttons, uh, which uh, there were two rows of buttons in semicircular arcs beyond the fingertips, and there were a number of grooves. This is an odd looking device, I must say.
0: And George, George, I, uh, excuse me, Linda, like Linda, I- Linda,
2: I- Linda and George.
0: I- uh, yes,
2: there was definitely something um, which looked like an I-beam. It was of that sort of section, and there was uh, sort of quite a wide band of hieroglyphics on that. All right, and Linda terms
0: and- of this autopsy footage, I can't hear uh, to, you said this was now a clearer presentation of some of this footage. Was there anything about this now that struck you as being particularly impressive to you as being the autopsy of something that was not human?
2: Well, I think seeing it the second time through, you noticed an awful lot of detail, which you probably missed the first time through. Uh, the people who were viewing this first time, uh, I think some of them were shocked or um, really quite um, turned off by what they were looking at, because uh, most people are not familiar with autopsies, and this is really in your face, and I don't think there's much doubt about it that what uh, was well, well, being autopsied autopsy it was a corpse of some variety and not, as some people would have you believe, a plastic dummy.
1: All right. Um, uh, are you able to hear me? Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, may I ask George a couple of questions, Linda?
3: Okay.
1: Uh, George, um, the apparatus that you were describing, the control board, um, was this sort of a a piece of wreckage, or were you looking at uh, a larger part of a craft? I don't quite understand. No, it was a
2: piece of wreckage. It was. Um, it appeared to be broken off, and it was part of some console, maybe something of this kind. Wow.
0: Um, and the fact that it had those six finger depressions is interesting uh, art because i know that several years ago uh there was a man working in uh intelligence in the united states who told me that he had seen some kind of a console uh, in film uh, that had finger pad depressions and i always had uh, the idea that it was the four long fingered hands that we've had described all these years Perhaps the truth is that there is something about these six fingers that uh, is uh, a reality and we've all been thought or have been told that it was something other than that. All
1: right. Well, this seems to be a big turnaround and uh, all of a sudden I'm sensing that both of you now feel this footage is the real thing. Is that correct?
2: Well, can I I make my position clear? I think it's too early to make a definite decision on that and and I still hold back. I still sit on the fence until... Some more research has been done and that the cameraman has been properly questioned about um, about everything that went on and his story now i do have the details of his story which i'll go through here it shouldn't take too long but the detail is fascinating and rather shocking in fact and i'll also say that at this conference in sheffield Michael Hesseman, uh, spoke and he has put more research into this than any other UFO researcher. I've worked quite closely with him.
0: Yeah, Michael Hesseman is from Germany, uh, art and has been a publisher of several books and articles concerning the crop circles and other aspects of UFO research and he has really gotten into the investigation of this race and film. Go ahead,
2: George. Uh, Michael Hasselman recently, that is in, in July, uh, went out to New Mexico and he did quite a lot of research, including a visit to the site, which the cameraman uh, clearly indicated was where this crash had occurred, which is, I think, approximately between 15 and 20 miles southwest of Socorro, New Mexico.
0: In the plains of St. Augustine.
2: That's right, and it's um, off on the end of a dirt road about 10 miles off the highway. Uh down towards the south on the road which leads from uh from Socorro to magdalena for those of you who know that part of the world i can say some more about this later but let me just make um michael Hesseman's position clear he spoke he gave an absolutely brilliant lecture this afternoon in sheffield which had uh, you could have heard a pin drop because people hung on every word and as i say he's done a lot of research here he said this film may be may very well be authentic I don't say this film is definitely the real thing. I only say that everything we checked out, checked out in favor of it. Indications that it might be a hoax did not check out. We have more indications that it is the real thing than we have against it. And that is a remarkable statement.
0: And what is it that the cameraman himself has released as his own story about how he came to film this uh this uh, remarkable uh, footage well let let
2: me just uh, run roughly through the cameraman's story and uh, i'll put a few quotations in here because i have the words in front of me Uh, the cameraman was in the military from 1942 to 1952 despite having polio as a child he managed to join the army Army Air Force uh, as a cameraman. He worked exclusively as a cameraman in intelligence capacity and he had top secret clearance. Um, he filmed such things as part of the Manhattan Project and the testing of the Trinity site in New Mexico. On, July, on June the 2nd, um, 1947, he was ordered by General McMullen to uh, take part in a special project, which was to film a crash that had occurred in New Mexico, and he was to go directly to it. He flew from Andrews Air Force Base, now Washington, with 16 other officers. Um, he flew to Wright Field, where he picked up uh, more men and more equipment, and he then flew on in a C 54 to Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, immediately they got there, they uh, put all the uh, equipment in trucks and they drove out into the desert and they drove for several hours uh, towards Socorro, passing by the uh, Apache Indian Reservation on the way. Um, they then drove from Socorro towards Magdalena and they turned 10 miles south on a dirt road until they got to a dry lake bed. This area was completely cordoned off by the military and despite um, uh, despite a command he received from uh, General Tui in Washington, D.C., in, in addition to General McMullen, uh, saying this was the crash of a Soviet spy plane, it was quite obvious this was not a spy plane. According to his account, there was a large disk on its back, and there was heat still radiating from the ground around it. Uh, the, there were debris, and some with hieroglyphs on uh, scattered in the area. Um, there were strange beings which he described as freaks lying beside the craft now this is very similar to the barney barnett story which appears in Stanton friedman's book um barney barnett came across uh, a disc somewhere on the plains of st augustine um in the sakura area and he saw a number of alien creatures lying beside it so this is lining up with that particular story um he says strange beings obviously from another world Uh, large head, dark eyes, no hair, six digits. This, uh, I'm quoting him now, this was made all the worse for the screams of the freaks, that's what he called them, Uh, that were lying by the vehicle. What in God's name they were, no one could tell. But one thing was uh, for sure. They were circus freaks, creatures with no business here. That's his expression. Each had hold of a box which they kept hold of with both arms close to their chests, And just lay there uh, crying, holding these boxes. This is a very shocking account, and it's a brutal account. And uh, I think we have to really think ourselves back to the 40s, where we'd just gone through a world war. This was the era of Auschwitz, the era of Hiroshima, and behavior towards things which are not apparently human, was not exactly very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the medical team was reluctant at first to go near the uh the freaks, because of the freaks. Uh but if some were injured they had no choice. Uh he says once my tent had been set up I started drumming, first the vehicle, then the debris. At about six AM it was deemed safe to move in these creatures according to his account have been left lying there for goodness knows how long i mean it might have taken him anything up to 24 hours to get down from washington uh, this makes it very hard to believe this story i, I mean when i first read this i th- thought this account is totally incredible i cannot believe what this man is saying but uh anyway read it through i think um the brutality is something which um is totally possible in the circumstances um At about 6 a.m., it was deemed safe to move in. Again, the freaks were still crying, and when approached, they screamed even louder. They were protective of their boxes, but we managed to get one loose with a firm strike at the head of a freak with a rifle butt. These poor creatures, if we believe this account, these poor creatures have traveled halfway across the galaxy, and they're met with uh, this um, total lack of hospitality and uh, nothing short of utter brutality and i think that in this account it appears that two of them were actually killed by the military the three freaks were dragged away and tied up with a rope and tape um obviously two of them died during this uh recovery operation one of them apparently one of them was dead already from the crash according to the account And one of them lived on because the third autopsy was done. Uh, Two autopsies were done in a military hospital in Fort Worth or Dallas in July, the first three days of July of 1947. And a further autopsy was done in May 1949, which seems to indicate that at least one of these creatures lived on for nearly two years. He says the the craft and the debris were eventually uh, put onto a flatbed truck And moved moved away and taken to Wright Patterson or Wright Field, as it was then known.
1: All right, listen. I'm extraordinary story. I want to stop you both right now, and I want to. I'm going to put you on hold for a moment. This is too important to leave. I have some things I must get done. Okay. So please, everybody, just wait where you are, and we'll be back to you. Great. All right. Good. You're listening to Dreamland. Big news coming from England. Linda Howe, George Wingfield uh... are our present guests and it's all about the roswell autopsy or more accurately i guess not the roswell autopsy but uh, the new mexico i'll call it autopsy and we're getting a lot of new information here so stay right with us here at the bottom of the hour and we're going to come back and uh, ask a couple of other very critical questions uh, regarding this breaking news this is the film by the way that is due to uh air worldwide on the 28th of august here in the u.s. we understand by the fox network so uh, some pretty important information ahead of that broadcast you're listening from the high desert to dreamland I'm Art Bell. Good evening. Back to uh, Linda Howe and George Wingfield in just one moment. North American Trading has a straight out simple offer for you. Uh, They'll send you a copy of a brand new Senate Senate bill that ought to put a chill right down your spine. This is a real Senate bill introduced uh, and about to be acted on that would establish a new form of money in this country actually two of them one for use inside the country one for use outside the country a lot of people suspect one reason for this may be a coming almost inevitable devaluation of our currency so i mean get this senate bill just call them tell them uh... give my name they'll send you the bill you can do it right now the number is one eight hundred eight seven seven nine seven nine nine one eight hundred eight seven seven nine seven nine nine north american trading back to near london england Uh, linda and george we don't have a lot of time but i want to ask a couple of very important questions one is with regard to the photographer are there now indications he will come forward and say something
2: well, the photographer has spoken to the uh, Channel 4 TV people who are making this documentary, which is going to be shown on the uh, 28th of August. And he's, he, ha- he has spoken to them. I'm not sure whether it's face-to-face or by telephone, but he will not appear in front of the cameras unless he actually gets um, a dispensation from the president. This is what he's demanded, which is not likely to be forthcoming. Wow. However, I can say a few words about the um, the Fox program, which you're likely to see on the
0: 28th. And before you do, George, I just want to make clear to our Dreamland listeners, Art, that what George was reading from was this cameraman now known as Jack B., uh, period. Uh, the name uh, Barnett apparently was not correct in those uh, first releases. Uh, the cameraman's entire statement was read at the Sheffield conference, and George Wingfield was quoting excerpts from this. And it's also important now to note that the cameraman himself is placing the location of the crash retrieval that he was involved in filming parts and the autopsies near Socorro and not brazil ranch right. in uh near roswell which raises the possibility that we're dealing with two different crashes or more and different bodies and george i'd like you to address that confusion as well
2: well th- this is very confusing but the the crash the cameraman refers to occurred on june the 1st 1947 and we believe that whatever crashed the brazil ranch um it crashed a bit later than that, possibly mid-June, possibly even July the 3rd, which has come to be about the July the 2nd or 3rd, the established date in the literature. But these could have been two entirely separate incidents. That I simply don't know.
4: All
1: right. Uh, I have one more question, then we've got to get out of here. It is the following. Um, you have seen the film. The American public has not yet seen the film. When it yeah. is broadcast in America, and Linda maybe you'll be qualified to speak on this, or both of you. Well, uh, How is it going to, in your opinion, affect the American public?
2: Well, I, I can tell you um, what is going to be said in, the, in that film. The are uh, there's a lot of denial and prejudice against the idea that this could possibly have been an alien craft, and uh, I think an awful lot of researchers, especially people who are not into the field of U- UFOs, will find some alternative solution and say, so you're going to be told that these corpses which are seen in the autopsy are the victims of nuclear testing, the victims of genetic engineering, the victims of germ warfare, all sorts of uh, solutions of that kind are going to come up. and I don't buy any of them because frankly i mean germ warfare nuclear testing Uh, doesn't
0: produce six fingers and six hands no way
2: no way and it it doesn't enlarge your head and doesn't make you look like that these creatures are creatures and, and as far as we know they are definitely not latex dummies there may be other explanations but um i don't buy any of the ones i've just mentioned
1: all right well we're out of time i want to thank you both it has been a very meaningful important report ahead of the broadcast here in america so, uh, okay. uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah,
0: I think, Art, we have to continue to keep an open mind on this. We may finally be seeing autopsy film from something that is non human, but the question is now with the cameraman's story placing it on the plains of St. Augustine outside of Socorro, we have yet a entirely new story here.
2: Mm hmm. Indeed, well, it's the so. The Bonnie Bonnet story.
0: Right.
1: All right. I want to thank you both. We've got to go. Thank you. Right. And, Linda, next week, uh, will you remain there?
0: I'll be reporting next Sunday, but I don't know from where. Probably somewhere in England, and I'll call you.
1: All right. Very good. Thank you both, and good night from the high desert uh, here in America. Now, uh, this may all work very well together indeed. Let me give you a quote from Robert Morningsky, who is a Native American of the Hopi Nation we are not alone the astronomers are wrong the scientists are wrong they are here we cannot see them because they hide they hide in plain sight we are their servants we are their slaves we are their property we are theirs Robert Morning Sky Robert Morning Sky is considered to be an elder of the Hopi Indian nation uh, when you hear him, he will sound like he came straight out of Harvard. <laughs> and for all I know, he did. Uh, I've got a long, uh, very long uh, a bio on him, and I'm not going to go into it, but we'll let him tell us uh, who he is. I've also got a photograph of him here, uh, and uh, one in uh, uh, full Indian garb. And I'll tell you, it's uh, extremely impressive, and so I'm very uh... proud to introduce to you robert Morningsky. Um robert are you there can you hear me
5: yes sir, i can welcome thank you sir thank you for the opportunity to uh... talk to you where are you uh... i'm in phoenix arizona right now i just returned
1: I understand you're also a Native American dancer, is that correct?
5: Uh, that's my profession, yes. I'm uh, actually <laughs> called a powwow bum. I, I uh, <laughs> tend quite a few powwows, but I am a professional dancer, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on, um, I take it you
1: are or have become familiar with the. Uh, of uh, the autopsies that we just talked about.
5: Um, actually, yes, and I am absolutely fascinated because um, if you'll allow me a moment to, to describe where I have just returned from, uh, which I, I think may surprise you and some of your listeners. Um, let me first uh, uh, correct a, a misinterpretation here. I am not an elder of the Hopi Nation. I would not be uh, presumptuous enough to claim that. I, am, in fact, have been given honorary status as an elder in Australia from the Aborigines. So I I do not want to mislead your uh, listeners nor uh, cause any disrespect to to my people in the the Hopi Nation. All right. Um, I have just returned uh, from an area called the Canyonlands in Utah. And actually, what has happened is that uh, approximately two years ago, while on a vision quest with some individuals, I was instructing them and guiding them through the process. We entered uh, the canyonlands of Utah. And I don't want to get real specific, but um, while we were there, we discovered some walls with some ancient glyphs attributed to the Anasazi. And one of the most remarkable walls is one that, in fact, Shows footprints, and it tells a story about six toed ancient ones hmm. and the implication obviously if they have six toes is if they that they have six uh, fingers yes. on their hand, yes. and so obviously this ties in quite well with with what is happening. Um, with this tape, these ancient stories told not only in Utah but in Arizona and New Mexico in the glyphs uh, says that these very ancient ones, the six-toed people, have been here and have guided man's evolution and his development. Certainly, I think several of your listeners who are familiar with um, some of the ancient cultures, the uh, Babylonian, the Mesopotamian, also realize that the numerical system was a base 12. And certainly, the inference is that if we, uh, contemporary human beings, use a base 10 based on 10 digits of our hands, then certainly we can infer that the base 12 may very well have come from uh, six-toed, six-fingered beings from the past. So I find this report. Absolutely, absolutely confirming some of our research, which actually deals with ancient cultures, but now uncovering uh, in this film that we have some video uh, evidence of 12 uh, fingered, 12 toed individuals. So I'm fascinated. I love this. It. it is remarkable. Yeah.
1: Um, one other area that I know that you've looked into. Um is crop circles. Now, Linda Howe is generally considered to be the world's expert on crop circles. And uh, crop circles seem to be almost hieroglyphic in nature, or at least as indecipherable in many cases. And I wonder what you would have to say about crop circles. What have you discerned from what you have seen?
5: Uh, most of my information um, has come, believe it or not, from a gentleman named Colin Andrews, who I met in Australia oh, yes. a few years ago. I, I was not familiar with his work. I didn't know who he was, and we began to uh, He showed me some photographs, and we began to go over them, and I was fascinated because many of the symbols uh, are very, very akin to some of the uh, ancient Hopi and the ancient uh, Pueblo Indian uh, glyphs. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to suggest that, in fact, the glyphs that, uh, excuse me, the crop circles that have appeared in the last few years, at least those that I'm uh, familiar with, that these crop circles are intended not so much to uh, define or specifically spout uh, either a word or a mathematical formula, though certainly I'm convinced that that The mathematics is there. But I believe that virtually everyone who looks at a photograph has some sort of an inner feeling that they recognize it—that that there is something there. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I'm going to suggest, that these crop circles are intended to evoke ancient memories. Um, I believe that we are being sent signals designed to try to wake us up to our distant past. Uh, Certainly some of the, the crop circles appear to be coming from Mother Earth herself. Um, and I'm not going to say that this is a written language she's trying to express. These are outbursts of internal energy, essentially trying to uh, warn we uh, inhabitants that she's in pain, that she's having some difficulty. But uh, by and large, the the very elaborate designs I have seen, I, I really do believe are intended to evoke memories to make us remember, uh, or at least try to get us to remember, uh, that which we have forgotten.
1: Uh, There have been sightings of uh, UFOs or unidentified objects above or near the formation of crop circles. Um, And what you seem to be suggesting is that it's not an external source like that but the Earth itself?
5: Well, actually, they're, they're both. Actually, I, uh, some of the simpler ones, the round ones, the, the uh, simpler shapes, do come from Mother Earth. However, the more complex ones are being, uh, I believe, manipulated and created by, um, I'm not sure I want to go out and say disks, but from a slightly further distance, and I, I believe that these are um, beings who uh, were in contact with us thousands and thousands of years ago and are now trying to reawaken us to what um, what is going on and hopefully ancient memories. As a matter of fact, I, I would suggest that, for example, the face on Mars and some of the monuments on the moon, which... Uh, I don't know if they've been discovered or not, I'm going to suggest they too are intended much like the monolith in uh, the movie 2001 to cause us to recall. I would say across the board that a lot of the phenomena that occurs now is basically a wake up call, do you remember?
1: Um, What is it that we are to remember, Robert? What, What do they want us to remember?
5: Um, In in the Terra papers um, that I wrote uh, actually back in college almost 30 years ago, what I was trying to suggest is that man's evolution, man's development, and even his creation have been uh, manipulated and engineered by beings from uh, the stars. Uh, Native America is replete with uh, stories about star beings. Uh, Virtually every tribe, every nation, has some sort of creation story that um, reveals the origin of man uh, from star beings who descended to this
1: planet. And that, I guess, is where I should stop and ask you, what was your
5: father's name? My father's name? You know, my father died when I was uh, young and I did not know him. I was uh, passed on and essentially adopted by another individual. Um, that is one of the mysteries of, of, uh, of my life. I, I did not know his name. In fact, I can only guess at it.
1: Then your adopted uh, uh, father, his name, I, I read in the beginning of the Terra Papers uh, that an individual, I guess I'm going to have to resort to that, um, had an encounter with what he thought were star people. That's correct.
5: And that person is uh, my grandfather, my adopted grandfather. Um, we called him Darenny. D-A-R-E-A-N-Y. Any. He right. was relatively fearless, foolish in the eyes of them. Um, in the sense that he seemed to have no fear, he would he would confront situations where perhaps uh, wiser people might uh, walk away from. A difficult situation, he would confront it fully. He had no fear of death, and, uh, uh, you know, a, a brave person can certainly be called foolish by some and may be admired and respected by others. Uh, Daring essentially meant he was willing to uh, not necessarily dare, but to accept virtually any challenge. He was not, he was not an unwise man, he always uh, took calculated risks. And so I was very proud of him, but a lot of people do consider him, uh, or did consider him a renegade, considered him uh, a very uh, foolish man at the same time, as I said I'm very proud of him.
1: Hmm. Uh, he told you stories, didn't he?
5: Yes, he did. Um, and, and curiously enough, um, I'll let your readers and, and you and, and other researchers um uh... make a judgment call but um the the story that was passed on to me and and that which i'm trying to again relate is that um in august of nineteen forty seven uh... less than a month after the famous roswell crash that there was another disc which came down in approximately the four corners area of new mexico arizona utah and colorado
0: Hmm.
5: and that um... There were six young men, my grandfather included, who were on a vision quest. They witnessed the, the uh, falling of the disc and um, went to the crash site. And while going through the wreckage, they discovered um, a, a live being. Um, they took him, the being, with them to their camp. And um, there, over the course of uh, a few months, uh, they were able to nurse him to reasonably good health, and then began a communication between the six and this star being.
1: Uh, Robert, hold it right there. We'll be right back to you. My guest is a Native American of the Hopi Nation. His name is Robert Morning Sky. More in a moment. Just about anybody who's anybody knows the way to make money is to have it. Yeah, but there's more. You've got to know how to invest it, when to invest it, timing it. Uh, It is your belief and the belief of the Hopi nation, is it not, that our earth, that which we walk on, is a living entity. Is that correct? That's correct, yes sir. Living in the sense... Living in, the,
5: in what sense? Living in the very same sense as mankind. The the arrogance, I believe, and this I speak only for myself, but the arrogance of the civilized world and the civilized man suggests that uh, life only uh, is to be respected if it is similar to our own um planet earth mother earth is no different in its makeup than mankind i mean mother earth is neutrons electrons protons I'm trying to give a scientific description here and so is man uh, the difference is the way in which these minute particles are put together mother earth simply has the particles constructed in a fashion that Again. Mankind simply refuses to acknowledge this as life. Um, I, I find man arrogant, even in the description a moment ago of the uh, Sentilli tapes and what happened to uh, those extraterrestrials. I mean, if we are going to uh, treat uh, beings from another place in that fashion, and then we treat Mother Earth in the fashion that we do, I, I find man highly arrogant in in believing that he is the, the supreme being and refuses to acknowledge uh, rocks, trees, plants, and animals as uh, living entities. Uh, if I can explain, in, in the Hopi world, there are uh, figures that are called kachinas. We believe that they represent the essence, the soul, the spirit of everything that w- which is around us. Um, when they ap- appear, for example, in the mesas or in the villages, they appear just as you and I do, as human beings with a slightly different face, a slightly different head.
1: All right, Robert. I am uh, Robert. I've got to interrupt. Uh, when we come back, I am going to read you what you are going to consider to be an extremely egotistical facts, and uh, I want you to respond to it. So relax a few moments. We'll be right back to you. My guest is Robert Morning Sky, a Native American of the Hopi Nation, and this from the High Desert is Dreamland. East of the Rockies, you're on the air now with
6: Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hi. How you doing, Art? Where are you, sir? Ah, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, sir. Yeah, I want to concur with uh, Robert in terms of the Earth uh, being alive, and, it, and it, is, it is talked about in Christianity and uh, Taoism. And uh, if you're aware of Don Juan, he talks about the, exactly the same thing. And the main thing they concur on is that man gets his feet connected on the ground and is able to pull up energy through the ground. And consequently, this leads, as they say, from the mother to the father. And if you look to read, uh, if you've ever heard of Edmund Bordeaux Beckley, he uh, interpreted a number of uh, seen gospels. And the main thing that Christ talks about is through the mother, you reach the father. And he he'd go up and tell people to grab a tree and consequently energy would be coming up through the body. In Taoism, it goes into very great detail as to how to get your feet on the ground to get connected to the Earth. And in uh, Carlos Castaneda talking about Don Juan, he said that the Earth getting connected to it sued his whole being and taught him uh, freedom. And, and when you talk about the earthly mother being the mother of the universe, that's not true. If you look at Taoism, they say it's yin and yang, uh, even in uh, in all religions to talk about God as the unspeakable the energy that uh, comes forth from that is uh, if you look at it, uh, Indian religion it's uh, Siva and Shakti and it's an interplay between male and female or just opposites that create creation that is not the creator itself that comes from the creator and you can look at it uh, whether it's Hinduism or Vedanta or uh, Christianity That's all true and you might Believe me, if you just look at these things, if you talk about appreciation of the Mother Earth, it's a matter in terms of all these religions. I can give you the name of the books and wherever you want to look. Well, that's right. right. We're going to have to... getting connected to the
5: ground. All right, we're going to have to hold it there. Uh, I take it, Robert, you concur generally with that. Um, yes, and again, I, I do want to clarify that I, I do not in any way wish to portray that the creator of the universe is a female. Again, let me clarify, it is the creator of earth and man that the Hopi say is a creator. The creator essence is given generally a, a masculine uh, a role, but in fact does have a female counterpart. There, There's a fine distinction in in what I did say, but I do generally concur with what you have said. Absolutely, yes, sir.
1: All right, uh, maybe we can squeeze one quick one in. Uh, You're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Where are you calling from, please? Uh, California, Hart. All right. Real quick.
7: Uh, Mr. Morning Sky, from what I understand you're saying, uh, with the cycle that's about ready to happen, is that because of some
5: malevolence on the part of mankind, or is it just a normal cycle of nature? I hate to attribute it to nature, I would simply say that it is a, a, a natural part of the rhythm of the existence in our universe and that's very simplistic, uh, Again, hesitate, but uh, yeah, it, man is not causing it, man just happens to be at that cusp where the change is going to occur, it is part of the natural rhythm of the universe. That's something. Um, Alright, Robert
1: Mornings guys. stay right there, um, he's our guest. And what a program it is. Dreamland. If you want to order our newsletter, get through.
0: 1-800- This hour of Art Bell was recorded for rebroadcast at this time. Please do not call.
8: From the kingdom of nine, you're hearing Dreamland with Art Bell. To participate in the program, call toll-free 1-800-618-8255. 618 8255 first-time callers. Area code 702-727-1222. Or the wildcard line at 702-727-1295. This is the CBC Radio Network.
1: It absolutely is. One more time, please, with emphasis, our newsletter that is going to have a remarkable photograph of a comet called Hale Bob out beyond the orbit of Jupiter, taken with a 90-inch telescope in the next newsletter. The newsletter price is getting ready to go up. At this moment, you uh, may subscribe at the present price of $29.95. It's going to be going to $39.95. That is a one-year subscription. Don't let it go. Get on the phone now and keep at it until you get through. The number is one 800 917 1 800 917 4278. Still time to get the addition with the photograph of the comet. And in a moment, of what I, pro- I promise you is going to be a remarkable segment with our guest Robert Morningsky, the Native American of the Hopi Nation, because I have the person who sent the facts, Steve from Santa Barbara, on the line. He sent another one. This time he sent a phone number, so I called it. Steve is here. The uh, one of the more remarkable... Now back to Robert. Robert, are you there? Yes, sir. All right, this fax, very interesting. Uh, Dear Art, Gordon Michael Scallion has stated in one of his newsletters, quote, shortly in 1996 or 7, a great gathering of elder and young heart-centered warriors shall convene in the southwest. Here, prophecies of old and new shall be revealed, brought forth by both women and men. Please ask your guest if he knows of any plans. When,
6: where?
5: Um, again, hesitantly, yes, I am aware. Uh, It is not appropriate for me to, and and I believe most of your listeners will understand, this is their place, this is uh, their circle, and it would certainly not be my place to announce or or say where this would occur. This uh, properly belongs to the elders who are holding the circle. So I I can only say, uh, yes, I do, I am aware, but it is not my place to, to speak of those things. All right. Um, the man who wrote the early facts, uh,
1: who you've mentioned now several times, Steve in Santa Barbara, uh, the man who believes the earth, earth is but an inert rock. I just happened to be able to get him on the line. Uh, Steve, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky.
3: Good evening, gentlemen.
1: Hi. Uh, speak up good and loud for us. Get close to the phone and go ahead. How's it? Fine.
3: Okay. Well, uh, I took the facts. I think the facts pretty much contained a, a good uh, sampling of, of what I had to rebut to what Mr. Morning had said. Well, why don't you do it yourself? Well, I, I will condense it real simply. Mr. Morning I still say that you presented no cogent argument to me in any form whatsoever that the Earth is alive. If you want to maintain that the Earth and the universe and atoms are somehow powered by mysterious forces, that we do not yet understand, and that life as we know it, organisms fit within that. I'll accept that argument, but you have still presented nothing to me to say that the earth is relative to a living organism in its ability to metabolize, to reproduce, and to survival, maintain its survival, and have a survival instinct based on active activity.
5: Um, Okay, I can only respond with two very brief comments one i suppose what is that issue is the definition of what is living and alive i do not believe that what we human beings have either put in encyclopedias or in dictionaries as a definition i do not believe that that is appropriate and secondly i i absolutely agree i don't believe that there is anything i can ever say or do i don't believe there's anything that you will ever see that will persuade you, and I respect that, and uh, you know, I, I am not here to convert. Um, I believe that you have presented your position quite well. Uh, hopefully, I uh, have done the same, and the best that either one of us can do is to hope that our listeners and, and whoever we speak to um, simply hear
3: our story and Let then they start. need to make a choice. Mr. Morris, sorry, you know, I kind of find it a little arrogant of you to assume that I have a uh, very limited perception, that I couldn't possibly feel what you feel, the great mysterious power within this universe. So I'll, I will vision quest with you anytime, anywhere in the world. You name the date and the place, and I'll fly there. I'm open to amazing possibilities. You don't know what's happened to me in my lifetime, so you certainly can't make conclusions about my perceptions. And if you want to say that all you've done, is, I feel, is present a suggestion that what we think of as life, is, is, is not quite what we what it could or should be, that life contains more than what we think it is. And again, if that's what you think, say so. But don't say it's the same thing that makes me greater than a bowling ball. Because we're both a compilation of earthly material, silicone, water, whatever matter you want to put into it. We're all atoms and molecules in the end run. But what is it that makes me greater than my bowling ball? What is it that gives me intelligence? What is it that gives me the ability to perceive my universe, register it, and communicate it with others of my type? And and still, you presented nothing to say that the Earth is alive, merely that what we consider alive is is much greater, that all the wonders of the universe are actually contained within living. And I still assert that you really are claiming that the Earth is speaking. You even said earlier that the Earth is hurting. Those were your words, and that probably the answer to why it's hurting is contained within your book that you're trying to sell tonight. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Steve, that's a little unfair. I'm going to
1: get him to promote his book because he hasn't even said a word about it, so I'm going to make him say a word about it in a moment, Steve. That, that comment was uh, a little rough, I thought. Oh, it's accurate. Well, uh, it's not accurate uh, because he's not been peddling his book. I'm going to make him peddle it uh, here in a little while. Um, so... Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, while we're on the subject, uh, we'll get to that. But would you uh, like to respond one more time uh, to Steve? Uh, If I I were to respond to Steve, I would say it sounds to me like he is searching, like he is hurting. And um, I I think that I share your view, uh, Robert, uh, and it's something that you feel uh, at a very deep level, or you don't, I guess.
5: Um... I want to thank Steve for you know presenting his his um, thoughts and and his perceptions um, and and his reality. Um, I will simply allow his statements to stand on their own, and uh, what I have said to stand on uh, its own. Um, I again do not believe that I will ever be able to show Steve um, what i would consider to be a truth and i, I recognize that i understand that i, I choose not to participate in you know either a name calling or a put down of philosophies. Uh, i'm i'm a storyteller i'm simply presenting a story uh, if he chooses to reject it that that's quite all right i'm not going to try and persuade him if uh, others can look around them and uh, see what i see um, that's quite all right too so i would say I would allow Steve's words to uh, stand on their own, and I would allow uh, my own words to stand on my own, and, and allow the rest of the world to make their own decision. Well, his
1: were presented with kind of a tinge of anger, um, perhaps in reaction to what he senses may be true, but uh, just does not want to accept. People frequently react, I notice, in these arenas with... Uh, anger. Now I'm going to do um, exactly what I just said I was going to do and anyway, here's the facts. Art be sure and get the information about his workshop lecture in the Seattle uh, area that he's holding within a few weeks. He mentioned this but I've not gotten any information, phone numbers or addresses or anything. Be sure you get it. So,
5: let's get it. Um, where are you going to be in Seattle and so forth? Um, I have been very fortunate that uh, I have been invited up to uh, Seattle and Yelm and uh, I'll be in Mount Shasta all within the next couple of weeks. Uh, my appearance schedule, uh, again, I've been very fortunate. I, I can only, at this point, since the list is, is quite lengthy, uh, I do have a contact number that, that individuals can call either Good. for existing lectures and workshops or if uh, they would uh, care to invite uh, or ask for us to participate um, later on in the program or whenever. I can certainly give you the, the, uh, the contact number. Go ahead, give it give it on the air. Um, the uh, contact number is in care of the uh, Terra Project. It's area code six o two nine nine six six three two four. Um, they can call that number. We can mail out uh, the schedule. Uh, we are booked between here and uh, the early part of next year. They can also get information on um, a, a book and some uh, other information that, that we are uh, publishing. And Again, we're simply trying to present a story that is most certainly based in Native America and uh, But I believe it applies to uh, the contemporary. I do not choose to try to persuade anyone, but simply tell a story, of course. and hopefully it fits in with what they see is going on around them. All right. You've written,
1: um, I guess I'd call it a white paper. I don't know what you'd call it. It's called the Terra Papers. That's yes. what you talk
5: about. And um, uh, how could a person get hold of that? Uh, they can contact, uh, contact us through that number and... Um, we would be happy to send them information on the Terra papers, and we actually have uh, some subsequent papers and uh, data that, that uh, we make available. All right. And is they, there a, is there a cost associated with it? Uh, we're asking uh, the, the essentially our cost to get this out It's uh, ten dollars for the Terra papers, and uh, that's uh, put into. That's put into additional research, and uh, we actually take people out into the field for them to see the glyphs, for them to see the circles, and uh, we ask them simply to witness and then allow them to make a judgment call. From me. All right, on and that, on...
1: that number is area code 602-996-6324. Now, should they call during the day, business hours, or 24 hours? Um,
3: the phone
5: uh, does function during normal business hours. Should they call after hours, and if there's uh, one of the researchers in the office, they will answer. If not, there is a message machine. They can leave their name and number. We will get in touch with them, or if they leave their address, we will send them the information. All right, good. Robert, hold on. We'll be
1: right back. You're right in the middle of
9: Dreamland. We are- on the air, huh? Yeah, I was talking with a telescope distributing place today. Yes, and asked them about the comet too, and they got information on it, and they said it was first detected in '93. Well,
1: I don't know. I'm hearing, I'm hearing so many stories right now. I mean, it's called Hale Bop because it was just discovered by Hale and Bop.
9: They said on the 23rd of July. Yeah.
1: Well, you yeah, know, so um. So what now? This telescope distributor is making claims that Hale and Bach were not the first.
9: Mm, something to that effect. Um, let's see, the Daily Telegraph that reported it? Yes. And Sky and Telescope is also supposed to report it?
1: Oh, look, everybody's almost on it now.
9: Okay, I was looking at Sky and Telescope and a copy of, of the most recent Daily Telegraph, and I didn't see anything. Which issues were they in? Oh, I don't
1: know. I don't I don't have it. Uh, it oh, was just, okay. you know, this was on the wire services, so I would imagine it'll probably be whatever the next issue is.
9: And they're saying it's just bigger than... Um, something that hasn't been detected that far away before.
1: Well, let's say it's only a tenth the size that they're worried it might be. It would still be
4: gigantic.
1: And and let's say that it misses the Earth but heads toward the Earth's path. It may come close enough to the sun so that it will be the astronomical
7: event, event of,
1: uh, you know, of all time.
9: Yeah, we'll do it.
1: Maybe it's Gordon Michael's uh, second son.
9: Time to sell uh, uh, comet comet
1: bills. <laughs> oh look, there'll be comet hats, comet t-shirts, endo uh, the world t-shirts. Uh, you name it, everybody'll get going on this one soon. We just happen to be on it a little bit earlier than most.
9: Okay. Okay. Thank you
1: very much. much for the the call. Maybe we should be in in comet t-shirts now. What would be a good slogan to put on a Comet T-shirt?
10: ...story that you had at the top of the hour. Unbelievable, huh? Uh, Well, actually it is. I heard the same story on Rush Limbaugh late in the week last week. Mm-hmm. And he checked it out, and it was written as a satire in a magazine.
1: Mm, Brinkley reported it on Sunday as fact.
10: Well, I... Like I said, uh... Rush had pretty much the same reaction you did and he got the, you know, the source, or went to the source, he said, and it was written. It was not true. It didn't actually happen.
1: Well, you know, if that's true, then thank goodness because can our society have degenerated to that point? Uh, Thankfully and hopefully you're right, and it is not, but I, I can't say that I'm convinced by your call. Only because ABC and Brinkley reported it on Sunday. Had it been exposed as some sort of untrue story, you would think certainly by Sunday ABC would have had that word.
10: True. Uh, It makes you wonder about ABC or makes me wonder about (laughs) ABC. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, really, that's all I had. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you very much. And uh, I don't know, I still kind of lean toward uh, it being true. And you just can't imagine Brinkley would have reported that. Uh, Robert, here comes yet another caller. Uh, you're on the air east of the Rockies. Where are you calling from, please?
7: Yes, this is uh, Mike from Lexington, Kentucky. Hi, Mike. Yes, um, you were speaking earlier about your step-grandfather, I believe, that had come across a crash site and actually found a being that they nursed back to health. What, what became of that? What, what happened to the creature, and what was the relationship, and how did that end up? Yeah, the rest of the story, good, good
1: question.
5: Uh, thank you, yes I mean um, the the purpose of uh, my spending this this year in going to the public and telling the story is that I think it's uh, the timing is crucial. It is part of the the ending of the cycle um, the The relationship was rather odd in that the star being uh, in communicating, and, and it's, a, it's a long story how it occurred, but in communicating with my grandfather and the other five, uh, essentially began to describe what I would call the warrior discipline, the warrior ways of, of beings in the stars. And what my grandfather and his friends discovered was that many of the Native American warrior ways, for example, the use of a vision quest, the use of something as simple as a feather, some of the techniques that were used in war were, in fact, born in the stars. And for my grandfather and the others, this was confirmation that all of the the ancient legends that we were born in the stars and that our ways came down to us from the stars was confirmation to them. Now, if you then turn around and look at this being who my grandfather and the others in in, in called the Star Elder out of respect for his wisdom and certainly that he came from the stars. The Star Elder, the being, found himself in a primitive society. He found himself in a savage world. Now, if you were to land in the center of the deepest, darkest jungle, and suddenly these primitives walk up to you and using stones, they begin to play this little game called Nintendo, certainly you're going to be astonished that where did you get this and how did you know? So there was, there was surprise on both ends because a star being sees primitives practicing star ways, and primitives see a star being confirming that their ways, in fact, are born in the stars. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time, so what became of the creature? Uh, the, The star elder remained for a short period of time. He returned. I will say that he has returned at least twice since 1947. There is an ongoing relationship with a handful of Native Americans And again, not wanting to to get into depth, but he is alive, he is well, um, and continues to to make contact when necessary because of the situation that occurs here on planet Earth and the ending of the cycle.
1: The ending of the cycle.
5: You know, uh, I wish I
1: didn't believe that Uh, somehow. I worry about the ending of the cycle. Uh, Robert, you seem to be prepared for it, rejoicing in it, and uh, I wish I could uh, adopt that same attitude, and maybe I need to study more. Robert, stand by. We're breaking here at the top of the hour. Robert Morning Sky, a Native American of the Hopi Nation, is our guest, and uh, we are honored to have him, as we are you. This, from the high desert, is Dreamland.
8: To participate in the program, call toll-free 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers, area code 702-727-1222. Or the wildcard line at 702-727-1295. This is the CBC Radio Network. It absolutely is, and
1: I want to repeat this announcement. It's a really a big one. We have a new image of the Hale-Bopp comet. And I want to thank Paul again in Houston for getting it to me. Thank you, Paul. The image was obtained, so that you know, from Kit Peak using a uh, Steward Observatory 90-inch telescope. A Loral uh, 2K times 2K CCD was exposed for 30 seconds while the telescope tracked box. It is a very serious image, and we want to give credit properly to Dave Harvey and Stewart Observatory. Uh, this image is now on our bulletin board, uh, and you can get to it by calling area code 702. If you have a computer now, 702-727-1709 seven oh two seven two seven one seven zero nine uh... if you have a computer it's called uh, comet one g-i-f now if you don't have a computer it is i i can tell you because i sent it personally uh... by computer to the publisher who will have it in the next newsletter along i might add with uh... uh with the image of the crystal skull Max, and a Photograph of my studio, the one from which I'm transmitting at this very moment. You can get the newsletter. It's $29.95 a year. And how you could possibly wait any longer, I don't know. Every month it gets bigger and better. And we're going to keep putting this kind of information into it. The number to order the newsletter right now, and you uh, just please keep trying 1 800 917. Four two seven eight one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight. It's called the Art Bell After Dark Newsletter, and I think that would be uh, uh, certainly an appropriate title for it. Um. Well, all right. Um. Let me uh... again mention to you UFO facts. Now, if you listen to this kind of material, and I know you do. Number.
4: I bet he would. Actually, he's he's a very nice man. He yes, he would. is. Um. So I just want to mention one other thing. It's got 300 photos in it. Yes. And it took us forever to put this thing together. Twelve countries and and a lot of film, and I think that people might enjoy looking at it. Um, And if anybody has some strange ritual facts or ideas or anything that could help me in my quest for... Uh, sort of a, a universal field theory of, of ritualism and mythology. Um, they can send it to care of Llewellyn. Um, I answer all my letters, and I'd love to hear from people who are also involved in these kinds of things.
1: All right, and so they would send it in care of the publisher. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, off we go to a land you mentioned, someplace in Louisiana. Hello there. Uh, You're on the air. Where are you calling from, actually? Uh, I'm
7: calling from Shellmet, uh, Louisiana. All right. It's about two, two or three miles outside of New Orleans. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. I just uh, first of all, let me say I really enjoy your program. Thank you. And uh, I listen to you every Sunday night. Well, what what station would pick you up in Laurel, Mississippi? Do you know offhand? I I don't even know where that is in Mississippi. Oh, okay.
1: I I have stations there, but I I you know you, you do. Yeah, I sure do, but. Uh, but I'm not familiar with uh, exactly where where that is.
7: Is it anywhere near? Uh... Well, I, I can't go through the list. Okay, that's okay. You, you'll hear us. That's okay because I you know I just, I just wanted to let my son know because he wanted to tune in. Too, I but... see. Okay, well, thank you very much.
1: All right, sir. Thank you. I guess no specific question.
4: Hey, uh, your your voice is heard everywhere. If that's not magic, I don't know <laughs> what
1: it is. It is kind of magic, actually. It is.
4: It's magic. A hundred years ago, they would have they would have said it was unbelievable magic.
1: They'd have burned me with you.
4: Probably. Uh-huh. I suspect we're kindred souls. <laughs> yeah, probably.
1: First time caller line, you're on the air with Denny Sargent.
4: Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Diane. I'm calling from Moraga, California. Hey, Diane. And my question is, uh, Mr. Sargent, do you have any books or resources that you would recommend in addition to your own? On um, absolutely. Subject? Um, I, I am by no means the greatest author in the world. <laughs> uh, I, I, as I said in the beginning of, of my book, I stand on the shoulders of giants. I would recommend um, Iliad, who's written numerous books on mythology. Uh, I'm going to give you some authors. I would okay. recommend um, Carl Jung, especially his 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 real basic book that's for everybody called Man and His Symbols. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure you. That one's wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> and and um, I recommend, uh, of course, um, um, blah uh, blah blah. I'm losing my mind now. Uh, Joseph Campbell right. and his video series is fabulous. Okay. Uh, and any of his works are, are fantastic. Okay. Um, there, there's some other people like Eric Newman who people are not too familiar with. Uh, mm-hmm. He wrote a book called The Great Mother, which is a survey of goddesses th- throughout history, which is fantastic. And and this is a new this is a relatively new field. Um, it, it's kind of a mixing of psychology and, and anthropology and history. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm trying to take it a step further into the field of ritual. Um, it's relatively hard i mean uh, global global ritualism is my attempt but it's not a particularly scholarly work it, it's really for for just average people most mm-hmm. of it was off the top of my head just from from years and years of reading and research and traveling Um there's not a lot of for example there's not a lot of footnotes right. historical footnotes in my book
9: all right ma'am there you go all right thank you very much thank, thank you oh
4: good luck
1: no, <laughs> now I, I, let's talk for a second Do you know for some reason um uh, Denny, I have a lot of witches that listen to me, and I—I I don't mean just on this program. You uh-huh. would imagine that, but on my other as well. And I'm constantly getting faxes from them now. Is not witchcraft, um, full of every sort of ritualism? It's—it's it's rich in ritualism, uh-huh. is it not?
4: I've—I've I've met num a number of witches. i 've been to a number of pagan and witchcraft circles in America and uh, pagan circles in all different countries around the world and uh, what witchcraft is is um, in spirit it 's a continuation of, of pre Christian European paganism uh, historically there 's not a lot of, of, of actual stuff that has been continually practiced most of it what it is now is a, a kind of revival of, of the faith um, of european paganism but um what you're, what you're finding is that a lot of witches and quote-unquote new age people and a lot of people who are listening to your show, what they're doing is what I call eclectic ritualism. Uh, the whole second part of my book um, is called eclecticizing or eclectic ritual. And, and this is a movement that, that I'm seeing. And I think the witches personify that uh, Wicca or witchcraft personifies that really well. But I'm seeing it all through the spectrums of New Age, of 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 unionism, of 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 every kind of group that is looking for a kind of global vision of what of what is going on out there. Um, I, I kind of coined the term eclectic ritualism, which is people, you know, people sampling Tibetan Buddhism, people going like yourself to Thai temples and getting some kind of, of, of feeling or, or experience, people going to Hopi ceremonies, um, people having some, some Hopi sage in their house and, and using that ritual, uh, maybe having Tibetan prayer flags, using those, maybe carrying a cross that their mother gave them. Th- this is eclectic ritualism, and this, I think, to be honest with you is the great unspoken movement that's sweeping through america right now and i kind of put a label on it in global ritualism i kind of addressed it and i I don't i don't really claim to be unique but I I guess I have a lot of friends and a lot of contacts in many different levels. I know witches, I know I know many many different kinds of Christians, I know a lot of new age people, I know a lot of psychics, I know a lot of academics, I know a lot of psychologists, and they're all really doing the same kinds of things. I know. That's and what as I I I I mean, said, yoga classes are being held up in my Lutheran church.
1: As I said, that's what's bothering me more than anything else, Danny, is that so many of these people are seeing and saying so many similar things that um, individually you can dismiss them collectively. You do so uh, at your own barrel. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Denny Sargent. Hi.
7: Hi. Turn your radio off.
9: That's
4: number
1: one. Always turn your radio (laughs) off.
9: Tell us where you're calling
1: from. Well, now he must have gone to turn his radio off.
4: Well, Just as a quick note, do you know what I think the greatest religious movement is right now? It's the World Wide Web. (laughs) I do. Because religion means, the root of religion is the the Greek word religios, which means to relink.
1: All right, uh, having said that and not wanting to expand on it, (laughs) caller, are you there? Hello, caller. Hello. Yes. Yes, you're on the air, sir. Okay, hi, this is Mike, uh, Detroit Lake, Minnesota.
5: In fact, the madness that you mentioned earlier will come to an end. But I also have to say that my heart, uh, it it hurts, it it pains to think that there will be those because they refuse to look around them, they they cover their eyes with blinders, are not going to be able to see what is going on. And I can only suggest that the the comet, the eclipse, and, and what is going to occur between now and its appearance I would suggest that we just let it speak for itself, and, and if, it, if it doesn't seem to speak with a thunder, uh, I, I would be surprised.
8: Here's
1: uh, one other fact seems relevant. Uh, Art, would you please ask uh, your guest, if he is aware of Terence McKenna's time wave, it is a map of time derived from the Chinese I Ching, or a book of changes, and claims the end of time to be December twenty first, twenty twelve, from uh, Pam and Jeff in Eugene, Oregon.
5: Um. <laughs> thank you. I know I am. I'm completely ignorant of that, and uh, again, can only suggest that it is a major coincidence, or again, we just simply allow it to speak with it. Right, hello. Good Good evening, Mr. Bob. Good evening, sir. Uh, where are you?
7: Excuse me. Where are you? Fort Smith, Arkansas. All right. Uh I'd like to ask your guest, uh, he made the comment that the creator of the universe is female because of the white buffalo that was born, and it's born female, correct? Uh,
5: no, not exactly. What I, what I said was that in the Hopi way, the creator of Earth and man is a female. In fact, the creator of the, the universe is Ta'i'o'a. It has several different names. But is in fact a male essence, and so uh, just a slight uh, distinguishing of, of what I said earlier. Does that help you, Colin?
7: No. Uh, well, my point was going to be made there, but uh, if, if uh, you're again familiar with Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 15 to 27. No. No. no.
1: And I'm uh, I'm I'm afraid I can't give you an opportunity f- uh, for him to become familiar at this moment. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hi. Where are you, sir?
7: East of the Rockies. Where? Boston.
1: You're Boston. Well, you're on our West of the Rockies line, so thanks for the shot. Um, first time caller line. You're on the air with Robert Morning Sky.
7: Hello. How are you? Fine. Yeah. Here,
1: turn your radio off, sir. Okay. okay and uh please
7: also yes check. i'm calling from memphis tennessee all right first time caller yes sir yes yeah, first of all i think uh robert and his grandfather both are right on the money thank you and uh uh-huh. i have to ask you though um have there been any uh let's say a meeting of the mind so to speak between the uh um, medicine man and that being
5: I'm not sure what you mean by meeting of the minds.
7: Uh, that being that was on the uh, in the uh, Hopi Nation, did he talk or communicate with the medicine man?
5: Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I don't want to imply that all medicine men, but a handful, and, and literally less than a dozen. Wow, that uh, that is indeed remarkable. All right, a lot
1: of people trying to get hold of you, so we'll just keep moving. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert
7: Morning Sky. Where are you, please? Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having him on, Art. Sure. Uh, Robert, you know, we in the Western tradition uh, have been raised with pretty much pitiful preparedness for the upcoming events. I mean, the meek shall inherit the earth. is about all we've got to rest on. And I'm wondering, number one, do Hopis believe in reincarnation, and if so, what uh, do Hopis believe they should be doing to prepare for this versus what can the rest of us do to get ready for this besides uh, maybe go and live in the woods and try to be (laughs) self-sufficient? Okay.
5: Uh, Again, I I, I do not want to speak for the Hopi nation. That is not appropriate. But again, in drawing from Hopi tradition, um, reincarnation as... I believe most people uh, speak of it, uh, says that in essence, uh, what you do in this life dictates what will occur or what your life will be like when you return to this planet uh, in the future. Uh, The difficulty with, with that concept is that the Hopi do not generally... Uh, believe that reincarnation demands a return to this planet. In fact, you could end up on a far distant star. You could end up on a planet in in, in another galaxy, perhaps in another universe. The simplest explanation uh, of Hopi transmigration, that the changing of of planes of existence, simply says that um, if you are a chief on this earthly plane that in going through the door to the next existence that you will be a chief in that plane. So, in that regard, yes, what you do here does dictate what you will do there. Whether you will be punished or elevated in in essence uh, depends on your wisdom as opposed to an outside agency judging. Um, I, I'm sorry, and, and the second part of the question was, what does, I'm sorry, what was it? It,
7: it has to do with what we can do to prepare. For example, I, I wonder whether all the Hopi will be gathering at the Third Mesa and uh, where are all of us uh, lousy white folks supposed to go?
5: Oh, no, no, I, I would never use the, termino- the terminology lousy white folk. But, you know, it, curiously, there is a story that uh, in this end cycle, that there will be a messenger who returns from the heavens. He is known as Bahana and, in fact, is known as the White Brother. Some literally interpret this as a, uh, a white-skinned brother. But again, in referring back to the White Buffalo, I would say that this is the pure essence of a brother and can only uh, speak for myself and say this is the uh, the presence of a star being. I, I, I'm not sure I can attribute this to the star elder that my grandfather familiar with, but certainly it could be the precursor to the visit of another star being. Um, I would only suggest that in order to expand one's awareness, uh, one has to toss away the blinders. If I can take a moment and and hopefully in this analogy explain it better. Um, If you see a bear, you may ask one individual, what do you see? And this individual will say that this is a a gentle, compassionate beast of nature. And uh, if you were to ask another being, uh, another person, they would say, well, this is a, a nasty, rotten, evil carnivore. Now, the question that I would uh, suggest is, which is the truth, capital T-H-E? Is it the gentle beast? Is it the carnivore? Um, I can only, and uh, very briefly suggest, one individual's truth is that it is a gentle beast of nature. The other individual's truth is that it is a carnivore. What I am going to suggest is the truth is the bear, which has no, uh, it does not care what others choose to label it or see it as. It simply is. And in the workshops we conduct and when we take people out on the quest, what we are trying to say is. You need to set aside all your experiences, all your judgments, all your learning, and simply open your eyes to the bear. And you will see that at times it is gentle, and at times it is not. We need to, um, in the workshops I've I've been approached and say, oh, we need to learn. We need to uh, gain greater wisdom. I am going to suggest that, in fact, we do not need to learn, but to unlearn that which we have been saddled with. We need to open our eyes instead of to blindly accept what is described as in front of us. All right. Uh, Robert, I want to ask you a question uh, myself. uh,
1: It's about the nature of our soul. Obviously, the Hobie believe as we believe there is a soul, something that lives beyond the physical body. Uh, From your description, it sounded like reincarnation, but not quite. You seem to believe there's a big cosmic... Bowl of soup, sort of containing not just multicultures uh, but multispecies, uh, and that one might uh, come back, as you said, on a very distant, very distant star.
5: Is that right? That's correct, sir. Um, I, I can only suggest, and it's probably dangerous in a very brief period of time, to say that there is out there an essence of which we have been born, whether one chooses to call it God or some other uh, title, I'd leave that to the individual. But I, I can only suggest that we choose, and in, the, in the, our workshops we talk about Earth 101, uh, we have chosen to experience life. And on this plane, some of us choose to be males, some choose to be females, some choose to be doctors, lawyers, attorneys. I mean, there are numerous things, but it is much like a university. We have chosen to be in this place to learn what we feel we need, having completed that course. It may be necessary to repeat the course. It may be necessary, having been a male doctor, to return and now become a female doctor. Mm. I don't believe punishment has anything to do with it. Uh, a karma that has turned against us. I think it is a learning process that we do have a connection far out there, and uh, this is this is our learning process. This is our Earth 101, and perhaps at some point the only way that we can understand peace. Or wisdom, or awareness, is if, in fact, we live and taste a life where there is madness, where there is chaos, where we are, in fact, uh, murderers and rapists and and uh, cruel, vicious beings. Perhaps some of us actually need to experience that in order to to learn. So, um, well, I the taste just... is certainly strong in my mouth.
1: Hold on, just one moment, uh, Robert Morning Sky. We are honored to have him as a guest, a Native American of the Hopi Nation. We'll take more calls in a moment. Many,
7: of for Central
4: Illinois, partly.
1: Amendment. I wish I didn't have to hear all this baloney. <laughs> but uh, I hope you get something out of this program, and I'm glad you called.
10: Can I ask you one more thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's this idea of what is time. Couldn't it simply be described as a form of knowing?
1: Uh, yes, or uh, perhaps consciousness. Uh, is the perception of time,
7: Doctor?
10: Yes, definitely. I think that time is a layer of consciousness. It's a degree of consciousness, and since we're, I feel here, all about learning in some way or another, uh, we are here, in fact, to learn about time as well. A oh, good, good answer. First time caller line. You're on the air with Doctor Snow. Hi.
0: Hi, Art. This is Carrie from Monterey, California.
1: Monterey, beautiful place. Yes.
0: Very much so, um, Doctor. When one has what one would call deja vu, those moments where you um, think, I have seen this before, or even moments where you can consciously remember um, seeing something that you know is going to happen and then it does sure. shortly in your life. Is that a part of future progression? Uh,
10: yes it is or uh, the deja vu often is a, uh, in a sense a past experience coming back, an echo of somewhere you may have been already and you recognize it again. The kind of precognition which is the uh, second form frequently comes when uh, your mind which at, at different levels of consciousness can go outside of linear time, uh, shoots forward to present to you an event or, or a feeling, an emotion, or sometimes even a face of an individual that will be an, an important player in your learning process in your life.
0: Okay, so see there, them that way. so then we, we generally should look upon that as, as something that we should think
10: about? And I, I think it's something that you ought to take into consideration. I wouldn't change everything because you had such an experience, because sometimes the mind plays tricks on us. Uh, but I do feel that, yes, in general it is certainly a, a warning. Some-